we head deep into 2022, the auction results are reflecting that there is a hype of buyer activity and we're back to the pandemonium of the start of 2021, where there were three to six buyers on almost every property, essentially pushing the prices up and out of the reach of many. Now, more than ever, you need to know how to make an offer with confidence and secure that purchase. And today, we're going to find out exactly how to do it. You're listening to Real Estate Right. Top experts talk about how to buy, sell, rent, and invest right. Your host is Sue Langder. Real Copyright is a team of professional copywriters excited about making your property come to life. We service the whole of Melbourne helping real estate agents, builders, and investors attract the right buyers and tenants to their door. If you would like a copywriter with over 25 years experience in real estate advertising working for you, give us a call on 5977-889 or email orders at realcopyright.com.au. Frank Volantic from Advantage Property Consulting loves to help people on their real estate journey. An ex-PE teacher, Frank sees the value in educating the public about how to sell, purchase or lease property with confidence. To explain to us how we can make an offer with confidence in the Melbourne real estate market. Welcome Frank, how are you today? Very well Sue, thanks for having me on again. Always a pleasure to be on with you. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate um, all the support you give us. What's going on with the market? Um, I think it's a seller's market still in Melbourne, though it's yeah. not as, as crazy as last year. I think, you know, the, yeah. the market's sort of a bit more balanced this year, which is not a bad thing. Uh, mm-hmm. But still, yeah, clearance rates are still 75 to 80% um, yeah. each week uh, at auction. So that, that still, you know, confirms that it is a seller's market once it starts to drop, you know, in the 60s and below 70, then it starts to sort of turn into more of a buyer's market. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, the sellers have still definitely got the upper hand, but it is just a bit more balanced. We aren't seeing the crazy results, but then, Sue, so you said, you know, one of those properties you uh, did the yeah. copy for sold for 701000 above reserve. So we're still seeing some of those results. Yeah, they're quoting 2.8 to 3 mil and got 3.701. Wow. Who was it? Jealous Craig Brighton, Nick Renner. Um, 14 Abbott Street in Sandy. Sandy, okay. It was just a tired timber home, had been the same family for 100 years. Well, then, yeah, that definitely uh, supports the fact that we're still in a seller's market because that, <laughs> that wouldn't happen in a, you know, a buyer's market, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's that, what, seven doors from the beach? Yeah. Mm. Location, location, yeah. location, the three golden rules of uh, real estate, Sue. Real estate, definitely. Now, we're talking today about how to make an offer with confidence. Mm-hmm. So just a bit of background, how do buyers normally make an offer? I think the inexperienced buyers usually start too low. So they make it often yeah. if there's a quoting range, so 9 to 990, they'll They'll make it at the bottom of the range at 900 and um, that that doesn't do you any favours in a seller's market. Um, so if, yeah. if the market conditions are where we are today, um, the experienced buyers are making it more at the mid to high point of the range, say sort of 970 yeah. to 990 or above um, because yeah. they've already done their homework. They know that the property 
is generally going to sell uh, well in this in the in the current climate. So you know they want to be shown to be serious in the negotiations, um, and I think the experienced buyers also try and get the driver's seat in the negotiations because if you um, show that you mean business, hopefully then you know mm. you've got a better opportunity to negotiate with the vendor and and the agent that you're dealing with. Yeah, yeah, I know we've we've had one of our kids recently try to. Uh, bid on something and I think they originally quoted 550 to 6 mm-hmm. and they were told oh look they'd probably off have anything on it with a 6 in front of it rather than you know there's been a bit of inquiry I think they put an offer in at like 610 or something mm-hmm. um and yeah it went to high sixes I think yeah and and the ranges too can differ too. So it, it's just hard to have a blanket rule as to where you should start. Yeah. But, um, you know, some agents quote more accurately. When I when we say accurately, mm. they you know they're sort of more in the range uh, where the property will sell or maybe a little bit over. And then you've got some agents that still quote lower, and uh, that's just mm. something that agents uh, that have happens. done for many many years. And um, then that that can change the goalpost. So you know, it's it sort of comes down to you know, us as buyers advocates knowing the agents, knowing who quotes at a lower level, yeah. um, and you know what the vendors uh, you know uh, quoting range will really you know determine you know where it will end up. And and so you know knowing the agents is a big advantage for us as well. And especially yeah. if you're a buyer there, you know go to options go to open for inspections and do your research and you'll get an idea mm. of, you know, how much the properties are selling for, you know, above the quote ranges and, and then you should picture offers accordingly for similar properties. Yeah. And that's the thing. You probably need to be in the market for a good 12 months to really understand the, the nuances between all the different real estate agents in the areas that you're looking at. You know, you don't have to actually be in the market. Just observe and yeah. see what's going on. Yeah. And, and keep, and keep uh, some research, you know, look at what, properties of soft or keep those brochures, you know, write down yeah. the auction results. And, you know, we're going through yeah. auction sales every week. And and then when we're, um, you know, putting offers in, we've obviously got all the recent sales in the area. So we're running through all those and, and getting a good yeah. feel. And, and that's really the most important thing. A, a quote range is just the quote range. It's not where yeah. a property, you know, ultimately can end up selling for. It's just a, yeah. a a quoting um, start for the buyers to get an idea of where that property sits in, yeah. the, in the current market um, yeah. and really where it ends up is the more important thing. It's not what it's quoted. Yeah. You know, sometimes if that 9 to 990 in, ends up like your one, 700 over reserve, it's yeah. not the agent's fault or the uh, vendor's no. fault. That That's the market um, determining the market value if if the reserve was, you know, 990 and, and it ended up selling well above that. So so sometimes yeah. people can get a bit annoyed with the agents and uh, the uh, the vendors, the, you know, the sellers, but, um, you know, ultimately the buyers determine the market value. Um, it's, it's the emotional bidding. Yeah. So besides obviously giving it a low offer, what other common mistakes do buyers make when they make offers? Do they, like for instance, don't consider the the settlement terms, for instance? Um, well, they make offers conditional and, you know, they might oh, have okay. it subject to finance, um, subject yeah. to building report, subject to um, conveyance or approval of the contracts. And then yeah. that offer, you know, ultimately is not as strong an offer as if it was an unconditional um, you know, yeah. offer that has no conditions, that's going to be more attractive yeah. to the vendor. Um, so that's 
probably the biggest one is not not you know doing that research initially you know trying to get your finance pre-approved trying to get that yeah. building report done have a conveyance look at the contracts and then hopefully you can make a strong attractive um offer to the uh, vendors and in the current seller's yeah. market that we're still in um you need to sort of put your offer and present it in the best possible light if you want to take that property off the market particularly if it's going to auction um, so, yes. so there's some of the common ones I think that, you know, the people haven't got themselves organised and an auction yeah. property is not going to be sold subject to those sort of conditions. They're going to keep running the auction. So, mm. so I think that's the main one. And the other one yeah. is um, not getting the driver's seat in the negotiations. So, you know, when, when I say that, it's really important at the start to sort of suss out with the agent how he's going to run these negotiations and trying to make the first offer and say, you will come back to me if there's a higher offer so that yes. you don't get left out of the picture because that's a common um, thread I hear with buyers that don't deal with us is, oh, the agent sold the property and he didn't even come back to me. I would have paid more for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you haven't, well, that was your silly fault. Yeah. But if <laughs> you, you should have offered more. Yeah. But also if you haven't framed the negotiations yeah. at the start, and decided what yeah. the game rules are going to be because every agent negotiates differently. Um, yeah. And uh, one of the but worst... You need to know those game rules. Yeah, and one of the worst, yeah. um, you know, um, strategies, you know, uh, for a buyer, you know, can be going in blind when the agent says put in your best offer by 5 o'clock tomorrow and you've got no idea where the other offers are. Um, and yeah. I try and frame that negotiation back and say, listen, if you do get a higher offer, then you know, please come back to us because your vendor might ultimately get more money if we're involved yeah. because, you know, we might pay more than that highest offer and I'm happy for you to go back to the other buyers and be transparent. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I think that's another mistake is, you know, um, I suppose letting the agents dictate the uh, the actual, you know, the, the game plan and the, how the game's mm. going to be played and, uh, there's nothing worse going in blinds and not knowing where the other offers are. And, you know, it's yeah. just uh, putting your best offer by five o'clock. Uh, I hate that scenario. I'd rather be bidding at an auction and seeing yeah. someone toe-to-toe and knowing that, you know, my $1,000 bid is uh, 1000 higher than the other bid and I can see yeah. my competition and so forth. So so that's yeah. that's probably the more um, more common one that, you know, People don't get themselves in that box seat. They're in the passenger seat or the back seat in those negotiations. Yeah, and, on the then, beat. <laughs> and then they come back and they say, oh, we would have paid more. And, you know, the agent didn't even come back to us. But, uh, mm. but you know, if you haven't got yourself um, in that driver's seat, then um, then ultimately you can miss out on, on that negotiation and that property. Yeah. Yeah. Now, we've talked about, you know, seller's market and, and buyer's market, but is there anything else? Like, is there any little slight nuance or something on that that we may need to consider when we're making an offer? Um, I think, you know, is it an auction property or private sale as well? So yeah. if, it, if it's going to auction, so generally the ground rules are very different because, you know, yeah. you can't make those conditions um, subject to conditions. Um, so that's yeah. the other main um, I suppose main nuance is, you know, if it's a property going to auction or if it's going for a private sale, um, the rules of engagement are quite different. Uh, for instance, yeah. if it's an auction property, we'd always try and make an offer um, three business days before the auction, say on the Wednesday, because then that offer is unconditional and the vendor is more likely to accept it because there's no cooling off period. Whereas if we yeah. made that offer Monday, Tuesday, and the vendor was sort of nervous that we were going to call off, then, you know, they ultimately might not accept that offer. So, you know, there are little nuances that when you learn 
the game. Um, you sort of got to yeah. play the right strategy. And you know, yeah. speaking offer on the Monday that the vendor won't accept because they think, well, they're still they can still pull out because you've got three business days to call off. But yeah. like uh, I bought a property. Wednesday and um, the auction was Saturday and the vendor knew that that property was unconditional that I couldn't call off the client um, so so that's another little nuance there is you know if it's going to auction how you play that if it passes in at auction the three business days after it also um, there's no cooling off period so you know having an auction property or private sale property can um, can obviously be a, a very important factor and um, you might be more likely to be able to negotiate subject to a building report for a yeah. private sale property or a property by you know, sale by set date or, or tender versus yeah. you know, you've know got Buckley's chance of doing that with an auction property. Yeah. Is there still that three-day cooling off period for a certain price over with a private sale or is that gone? With a private sale, there's, there's the cooling off period all the time. So you've always got the three-day cooling off. There's no... It's not dictated by price. Um, you've not got, anymore because it used to be, didn't it? No, nah, no. Nah, there's um, okay. You've got three business days uh, under a private sale or um, set sale or any of those other sort of private sale forms of negotiation yeah. where you okay. can ultimately change your minds. And therefore, sometimes, yeah. you know, another negotiation for us is we might get a building report done during those three, um, you know, okay. business days or, or get... Uh, or, or get out, you know, um, the finance approved during those three days, knowing that we've got that sort of three-day window of uh, yeah. buffer if we need to pull out. Um, so that's something yeah. um, some buyers don't understand as well, that they do yeah. under private sale conditions have that three business days to sort of try and get all their ducks in a row if they're not quite in a row. Yeah, all about that. Now, um, are there any questions that we should be asking the real estate agent prior to making the offer? Like I'm sure there's probably a million questions, but what are some of the key ones? Um, you know, my list of questions is pretty extensive and I try and get as much <laughs> information out of, out of the agent. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to find out how motivated the vendor is to sell. Um, so that's yeah. my main one. So, you know, is it a distressed sale? To try and find out as much information about um, that, that vendor or that sale. Um, and see whether it's one of my five deadly Ds, I call them, because they're, they're ones there that you might be able to have a better chance of negotiating. So the, the five Ds are death, um, someone's passed away, divorce or separation, um, distance, yeah. someone's moved away or moving overseas or interstate or living overseas or interstate, someone's in debt um, and someone's working to a deadline. They might have already an, another settlement. They might have bought another property. So just yeah. asking questions where you might be able to get some information about whether it's one of those distressed sales is is important. You know, why are they selling and uh, yeah. and try and work out what the vendor's situation is and see if you can get any any sort of insight into that. Um, some yeah. other classic questions for me that are you know always real offer. What sort of interest do you have? You know, how many section thirty mm-hmm. twos have you handed out? How many building reports have you had? How many repeat yeah. inspections? How many buyers do you think you've got interested at the moment? Um, so yeah. there's some of the um, the real, um, you know, goal questions for me to decipher how much interest and who my competition yeah. is. Um, have and you had we, any, and where you place your offer? Really? Yeah, absolutely. And have you had any offers? Um, what will the vendors take? Uh, and how long's the property been on the market? Um, so just again, trying to get as much background into how motivated the vendors might be at this point of time. 
Um, so and you'd find- pretty much take the whole 30 minutes of it open for inspection asking questions, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah, I, I, usually, <laughs> I usually would call the agent after the inspection. Yeah. I know they're busy and I, I yeah. just I call them and then, I, you know, I usually ask, ask for a contract. <laughs> uh, yeah. And the other thing is, you know, if, if you can tell there's, there's interest and, you know, you've got to put in an offer, you know, what do you think the property will sell for with your professional opinion? Um, so yeah. you're sort of trying to get the, the agent's opinion of where he thinks the other buyers will be. Um, with the interest you have, where do you think I'll need to be to be competitive is a really good one when you've got to put yeah. in an offer. Um, so j- just to try and work out where um, where you need to be. But all those uh, questions are there to try and work out how much competition you have, where you should yeah. start your offer. You know, should it be at 900000 950 or a million? Um, yeah. And what is the vendor's situation? You know, what settlement do they want is a classic one because it's, yeah. sometimes it can be about the settlement and, and not the actual um, dollar value um, yeah. uh, that the property sells for. So um, so there's some of my really good ones then. You know, just if you can find out that that vendor is motivated and has a deadline because they've got to move into a nursing home in three months yeah. and you give them yeah. that settlement term, then you might be able to negotiate uh, a, a fairer price for you as well. Yeah, sounds good. Now, we again touched on a couple of days before, but which professionals should we get to help before we make that offer with confidence? Um, definitely a, a solicitor to check through the contracts so that you yeah. can, you know, make that offer um, not conditional to, you know, to having uh, the contracts reviewed. Um, a building yeah. and pest inspector, you know, they, they will need to get through the property first versus, you know, yeah. doing that afterwards if it is particularly an auction sale. Um, yes. Get uh, a nice experienced uh, buyer's advocate like myself involved early on. So of course, always. We can, get, we can get you um, that independent advice and hold your hand through the negotiations and give you advice on where we think that we'll, uh, we'll, we'll sell for in the market. Um, and yeah. I always ring up the local agents in the area. So trying to get to know some of the local agents and, um, you know, ask them what they think the property will sell for, get their opinions. And, you know, once you average out that sort of market intelligence, you get a pretty good picture as to where property should sell. Some of those local agents would have um, done the, like a market appraisal on that property because they usually get three or four in and then decide. So they would know, most people would know those properties. They would. And also, you know, a good local agent knows everything on the market. You know, they're, they're, yeah. they're on realestate.com and they know every new property coming on. They're researching those because that's their job is to know their patch. So, yeah. so the, the agents will generally know that property um, and have driven past it, checked it out online as well. So, um, so that's yeah. really good information to get. Um, I, I'd always call council to find out if there's any, any developments that are adjoining or surrounding any zoning changes that might, yeah. you know, adversely affect this property because uh, you don't want to buy yeah. something and then find out there's 40 um, apartments going up next door and you're going to be living yeah. next door to a, a building site. So, so do those sort yeah, of you lose um, the sunshine. yeah do those sort of checks and yeah engage engage yeah. if you need to you know um, engage a town planner or a, an architect um, and and um, get them involved um, and I'd but also always do things like get a renovation company involved and a builder if you're looking to do some renovations and and do some works yeah. because you might think the works will be fifty thousand dollars and the works might end up being two hundred uh, to three hundred thousand yeah. so. Um, so, 
yeah. getting that advice. Um, um, you know, even speaking to an owner's corporation manager, if um, if you're buying in an owner's corporation, getting information about whether there's any special works to be done um, and getting some advice if you're not sure about something with the owner's corporation, uh, then having a yeah. contact there. Uh, and if you're going to do any any extensions, developments in the future, uh, very smart to get, you know, an architect, town planner, land surveyor involved and and run it past them before you buy because you might think you can put another unit on the back and that was your strategy and you can't and you end up buying a property that is a is a dud because it's not going to meet that requirement so yeah so so there's some of the people that i would definitely get involved at the start and if you can do your due diligence then um hopefully it makes it uh, a safer purchase or sometimes you might even pull out purchase because it's not quite right for what you want it for yeah yeah i did an apartment um probably a couple of years ago now in south yarra where uh the owners were selling because the owners corp lumped a nice big rendering the outside fixing up all the balconies per unit it was a hundred thousand dollars and they had to be paid within 12 months they were given 25 grand a quarter they had to pay and the owner's like i can't find 25 grand a quarter to pay for this stuff um, yeah. And of course, it's going to increase the value of the property, but not everyone has that cash lying around. So um, I think he sold it with paying two, and then the next owner was going to pay the other two, 25 grand um, installments. So yeah, you got to really check out those owners' corps and make sure that not any impending um, renovations for everyone to yeah. enjoy. And also, as I said, it would be a nightmare if I've had clients that have bought and thought they can, you know, um, put a, a unit at the back or yeah. do some developments and then find out they can only get two and not three. Oh. Um, I had a client who bought an idea and in the end they lost money on the project because they thought they could get three on there. Yeah. And uh, it wasn't viable to get three and they could only get two and therefore they sold at a loss. So, mm. um, so so just getting professionals involved, yeah. um, definitely get a, a mortgage broker involved to you know, make sure your finance is all pre-approved as well, 100%. Yeah. That's that's the number one person oh, before you go to the others. Yeah. So. Yeah. I actually did a property in East Bentley once where it was backing onto Yarriera Golf Course and there was a little road in the back of going into the golf course, but these buyers thought that that road was actually accessible to their back of their property and it wasn't. Oh. And they it was, I think, 1,300, 1,400 square metres land. And um, they had this big idea that it was going to be, you know, five units on this block and they could use this back um, laneway to, or roadway to get access to it. And they bid, bought it at auction and told the agent, oh, this is what we're planning on doing. And then, you know, you can't get access to that row. And they're like, oh, yeah. no, like they signed on the dotted line and everything. It was like, ah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Well, if they had got a surveyor involved, and, yeah. you know, an architect or whatever, they would have got that information, even an advocate, because yeah. we'd, we'd look through all that information yeah. before people yeah. sign up. So, you know, it's it's really important. You're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars, um, so get the right team on the bus yeah. and you know, start with your mortgage broker, solicitor, yeah. buyer's advocate, building pest inspector and, yeah. and work through that, through that list of, of what you need. and. Um, you might not need a renovation company if it's a modern apartment or a house or rent been renovated, but if you are looking to do some renovations, get them involved at the start versus yeah. 
getting a big surprise later on that the renovations are, are you know three or four times the amount you um, you estimated yourself. Yeah. Now that we have all those bases covered on what buyers do in the marketplace, we're going to have a break. We are going to get into how you can make your offer with confidence and secure that deal. You're listening to Real Estate Right, and I'm Sue Langadar, and I'm talking to the charismatic Frank Volantic. I thought that rhymed. Did that sound charismatic, Frank Volantic? Charismatic. Oh, thank you, Sue. No one's ever called <laughs> about, charismatic before, but I'll take that. Thank about you. how to make an offer with confidence. Um, now, so Frank, what are some great ways buyers can make an offer that could secure their dream property? It's not all about price, is it? Oh, definitely not. Um, so I've bought lots of properties over the last 22 years as a buyer's advocate where um, we've offered less but offered the right terms for the vendor. Yeah. Um, so the terms generally are, you know, the number one, um, I suppose, term that sticks out is the settlement that the vendor would like. You know, yes. do they want a short settlement or do they want a long settlement to try and find that out? Yeah. Um, that, that's, that's a real key, I mean. And, and then if you can make that offer unconditional, um, that's the other important thing is if, if your offer is conditional and the other offers uh, are clean offers, uh, unconditional, then you're, you know, you're, you're paddling up, upstream with that as well. So, yeah. um, so, so settlement, um, and deposit amounts sometimes. Um, sometimes we've had, uh, vendors that we're buying off that are moving into a nursing home and need a certain amount, um, of deposit, extra yeah. deposit to, to get their place in the nursing home, and if you would offer more um, and less money, that you, you would probably be in the, the driver's seat there in, in yeah. that sort of uh, scenario. So, so it's not always about the money. Um, as a good example, we just bought a property in, in Warrenwood for a client, yeah. and uh, someone else offered, uh, actually two other buyers offered one million five fifty, but their offers were subject to finance and building reports. Yeah. We offered one million five twenty five. Yeah. Um, our offers were unconditional and uh, our offers were shorter settlements and the vendors accepted our offer. So yeah. um, so cool. it was 25000 less. But. Um, and on the flip side, Sue, I've been on the unfortunate end of where we've had to make conditional offers yeah. and they've even been higher than the other offers and they've ended up choosing a lower offer yeah. that had cleaner terms, um, yeah. shorter settlement or longer settlement, whatever the vendor wanted and we yeah. couldn't meet because sometimes you're juggling with an, you know another sale somewhere else mm. and can't do the settlement that the vendor really wants and yeah. you miss out on that probably because you've lost out on settlement terms versus yeah. the actual price yeah sometimes uh, and that hurts because you sort of think oh, oh we no. offered more than the others and, yeah. and they took our offer and I'm sure it hurt those two other buyers in the, in the Warren Wood yeah. negotiation and we're very happy client but uh, we also asked the right questions of the agent we found out what was really important to the vendor um, and uh, we had the agent again come back to us in the negotiations so um, a key for us is always try and make the first offer be the first one and you'll usually um, hopefully be able to negotiate then that driver's seat in the negotiations that the the agent comes back to you, um, you frame it, so, yeah, you'll come back to me if there's a higher offer yeah. um, because, you know, the vendor ultimately might get a higher price Yes, and that's what you're, you're after as an agent. Yes. Um, so get them on, on board and then, you know, if there is a higher offer, that you know, you're at least got that opportunity that I call it the right of refusal to either yeah. increase your offer yeah. or walk away and say, no, nah, we wouldn't pay any more for that property, which yeah. we often do, and say, no, nah, that was 
absolute max that we would we'll pay and we'll, we'll focus on another property. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just make sure you don't have that one offer nightmare situation. <laughs> yeah. That, you know, best off uh, uh, deadline offers by five o'clock tomorrow because um, as a buyer, there's no advantage for you at all in that scenario. Yeah. Um, because you might as well, it's like going to an auction and being blindfolded mm. and bidding and you can't see any other bidders and you, um, obviously you can, uh, you yeah. hear them, but if you, if you had, uh, if you had earmuffs on and couldn't hear what was happening as well, yeah. you'd be in the same situation. So, you know, as, as I said, just trying to get, uh, that, that driver's position in the negotiations is yeah. really important and, and you need to frame that at the start. There's no use sort of ringing the agent up when he's already, accepted another offer yeah. um, because once the vendors made their decision, they're generally not going to change it. Yes. Um, so you need to frame the, the negotiations at the start. Early. I had a, a negotiation recently where the buyers bought the property with like a 30-day settlement, but then the owners negotiated a 12-month rental agreement to stay in the house for the next 12 months. So they got their money and yeah. they can use it to buy a new property so they can renovate and then have 12 months to renovate but still live in their old house okay interesting so yeah yeah so, so sometimes it's just about the situation and and trying to negotiate a situation that the vendor um, will be open to and and yeah. you know, favor um the other thing is sometimes a, a section 27 deposit release where you sort of say, well, well, we'll release the deposit straight away. Yeah. Um, as soon as our conveyancer looks at the title and says everything's clear, we'll release it. Yeah. Because then the vendor might have that deposit needed for another property. Yeah. Um, general terms are that deposit doesn't get released for about 30 days. Yeah. Um, so if you can negotiate that early release and say we'll release it straight away, that can be a really good um strategy as well so mm. you know that might be really important because they're interested in putting an offer in on another property yeah but they haven't got the deposit or they want to go into a nursing home they need that large deposit that yeah. they require these days um and really when you're negotiating i always say to uh, my clients you know avoid the low ball offer in that you know bottom of that range because in the seller's market um you, you will not put yourself in the driver's seat if you really want the property uh, then try to put yourself in the driver's position, you know, at least in the middle of the range yeah. is, is where you go. And sometimes you go above because you know it's going to sell for a lot more yeah. um, and you want to try and catch other buyers on the hop. That's, uh, that's what we like to do before auction. We bought yeah. that property on Wednesday. It was a townhouse in Newport and uh, everyone was expecting to go to auction on Saturday. And, you know, when we made the offer, the other parties weren't ready to um, to, to make an offer because they were yeah. you know, still getting still their waiting. finance sorted. Yeah. Um, so so, the salt so if you out. like a property, <laughs> yeah, so if you like a property um, and it's going to auction and you know you're in a seller's market, then yeah. my, my strategy would be try and, try and offer before auction because yeah. hopefully you can catch some of the other buyers off guard. Yeah, fair enough. Now, if I'm like really, really nervous about it all, how can you as a buyer's advocate help me? Well, I think the main uh, way is, you know, to take the emotion away because yeah. when you buy a property, particularly to live in, there's always that emotion. Um, sometimes you can fall in love with it, yeah. you get carried away and your head rules, um, yeah, sorry, your heart rules your head and you end up overpaying and you could pay more than what the bank will value it at and then you've got a big problem later. So yeah. so I think, you know, just making sure that um, you don't get carried away, you don't overpay because it can happen really 
quickly at an auction where the property can just, you know, basically go well above your pre-approval uh, bank limit. Yeah. And uh, then you can, you know, suffer the consequences later of uh, not being able to settle if the valuation comes in lower. Isn't that called um, the bank so- of mum and dad or...? Yeah, well, <laughs> not everyone's got that. And dad. Yeah, or, or or just making sure you don't overpay because yeah. um, you know there's there's many many times when people get carried away um, and have someone else bid for you, whether it's an advocate or a family or friend. Yeah. Because often when you're bidding, you can be involved in the game and and get emotional and get carried away. So um, it's just like any uh, professional. If you're hiring a mortgage broker or a solicitor. Um, when you hire a buyer's advocate, they should be able to, um, you know, help you, give you the right independent advice, tell you when to walk away, when to keep bidding. Um, they're experienced negotiators and, and I negotiate for a living. So I know um, how to negotiate, how to walk away from a, a negotiation, how to try and, you know, get us in the, in the driver's position there. Um, when you walk away, do, do people come back? Some- well, sometimes they do, um, and, and sometimes you know they sell it to the other party, and yeah. you know that, you know we're we're done, and we uh, we've got a certain limit, or we think the property is worth a certain amount, and, yeah. and sometimes there's another offer, and it ends up selling to the other party. Yeah. Um, other times they will come back to us and say, yeah, you know, listen, the vendors have have uh, have now come back to us. They've they've had a chat, and they'll accept your offer now. And yeah. um, if we have something else then you know we might then go ahead with the negotiations again so um so i think it's just important you know to do your due diligence and and set the right prices and that property that you know is quoted nine to nine ninety might only be worth nine fifty um and if the bank values it at nine fifty and you pay one million you've got a fifty thousand dollars shortfall there and you could ultimately either lose your deposit or have to top that extra yeah. line up so um so a vice advocate like myself should hopefully like a the other professionals we mentioned earlier the solicitor yeah. uh the um the building and pest inspector you know give you that professional advice and you know have that um that independent position where they can you know not be involved in the transaction and yeah. therefore be able to help you make a better decision as well yeah sounds good now have you got any other examples of people um of doing offers that are outside the square or have we sort of covered them all? Yeah. Uh, um, one of the ones uh, we talk about settlement is, yeah. you know, how many times we have bought and we've actually kept the settlement open on the contract. We haven't put a settlement date. Oh. We've said to the agent, um, our clients can do a short settlement, long settlement, anything. Yeah. Um, settlement is open. You tell the vendor to put whatever settlement they want on the contract and we will be happy to settle um, at any time. And that can be a really good strategy because, you know, yeah. settlement might be that deal breaker for the client. They might not even ex- exactly worked out what they want. So, yeah. so that's a good one for us. Um, the other one, you talked about that lease back yeah. um, of, of that property. Um, sometimes the vendor is building another property um, or moving into, as I said, another property, a nursing home, and they don't want to move a, a few times. So sometimes, you know, allowing the vendor to, to actually lease back that property yeah. um, could be a really smart yeah. negotiation strategy because they might drop their price and say, you know what, for the headache of me having to move my stuff, yeah. particularly for an older person that's lived there for many, many years, the trauma of moving yeah. twice in a year uh, would be very traumatic. So 
So that can be a really good one if you know they're waiting to settle another property or move into a nursing home or, or move overseas or whatever, but they wanted the funds and needed the funds and needed to sell now. Yeah. So that well, can the, the one I was talking about, I think um they took about seventy or eighty grand off the price. And it, yeah, like it was seven thousand dollars a month in rental or something ridiculous like that. And it was like but rent free, then it's not physically giving them the money. It was, you know, less money for stamp duty. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, sometimes that lease back can be really uh, valuable. Um, and then the other times, uh, we, we often have it with holiday homes where you can, you know, make an offer for their furniture and, and yes. some of their accessories. And that can be valuable because the owner sort of thinks well geez I don't have to get rid of all this stuff what am I going to do with it anyway or if they're going overseas or interstate it would often happen when we were buying holiday homes down the peninsula where uh we'd sort of say well would would the owner be interested in us making an offer for the furniture so they don't have to worry about moving it out so so sometimes as I said it's not just the price it's just the little little extra things on the side Uh, and my biggest ones too is if you can offer the agent a trading property uh, that you've got yeah. another property to sell that you'll get them to, to value and potentially sell, then that agent will hopefully give you a better position in the negotiations because they're thinking, well, we yeah. might have uh, two sales out of the one deal. Um, so, you know, yeah. the old Jerry Maguire movie, show me the money, you show an agent yeah. you know, an opportunity <laughs> for another sale and they're thinking, well, yeah. I've got to obviously still get the right price for the vendor, but if I sort of help Frank's client out, I could potentially yeah. be in the door here for another sale. So, well. so that trading property, yeah. that two two sales uh, for the for the wow. one sale situation, can be um, gold. If you've got any friends or family in the area that uh, could be potentially selling or even wanting evaluation, when um, you've got yeah. a property to trade in yourself, uh, there's uh, there's obviously that uh, that that sort of you know bonus for the agent that uh, if they if they look after you in the negotiations and they treat you fairly and they do the you know one offer and don't come back to your scenario uh, that they might actually <laughs> yeah. you know, get get another opportunity there. Yeah. Um, so so that's some of the other ones and and the really important one is that yeah. if it is going to auction, um, offering on you know that Wednesday. Thursday when there's no cooling off period because that can yeah. then, you know, and I'll, I'll always say that to agent, obviously let the vendor know that now there's no cooling off period. So this offer, if yeah. they take it, is a done deal. It's it's done to pay. Yeah. They're not having to wait three days, business days. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. so there's some of my little um, gems, Sue. Yeah, awesome. Any extra advice you'd like to give our listeners um, about making an offer with confidence or we, we, we've, we've got it all? No, nah, no, nah, I've, got, I've got some rippers, Sue, for your listeners. Okay, you've got I some always, good Yeah, I cool. always give you a few gems. But um, my, top, my yeah. top five other tips are, um, number one, you know, trying to create a, a fear of a loss situation for the vendor and the agent um, that you won't necessarily, yeah. you know, make another offer and, and keep going up and up and up. Um, so that they sort of don't come back to you and and keep, you know, trying to play you and get you up. Next tip is to negotiate differently if it's an owner-occupied property versus if it's an unemotional investment purchase. Um, You know, walk away, obviously, if the price isn't right for an investment, but if you're going to live in it for years, it's different. So um, number four, 
put all your offers in writing via emails so it shows that you're serious because any written offer should be presented to the owners, not just put a verbal. Yeah, sounds good. And, last and one? the last one is give the agent and vendor a deadline when your offer expires. I usually make it 12 o'clock the next day. Yeah. And so it's not open-ended so that the agent and the vendor can't shop your offer around. So it's really important. Um, and lastly, when you're negotiating, you know, show me the money, like the Jerry Maguire movie, yeah. show that you're serious, um, yeah. you know, make a strong, unconditional offer, and that will hopefully get you over the line. Yeah, beautiful. Thanks so much, Frank, for being a great support. Um, how can buyers get in contact with you if they want to get you to do their offers for them? Well, they can contact um, our office and your yeah, details are on our website, advantageproperty.com.au. We'd love to help them further. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Frank. Um, we'll have your details on our social media and on our Real Estate Right website. Thanks, Frank. Oh, right, okay. Thanks. Now, next week, we have our next case study. We have two lovely vendors who haven't sold a home in over a decade until recently. They are going to reflect on the changing dynamics of real estate over the last 10 to 15 years. They're going to talk to us about what is new, how much more work was required from them, and how they manage the whole process. So don't miss it. Real Estate Right is produced by Real Copyright one of Melbourne's leading real estate copywriting companies and is written, hosted and produced by me, Sue Langada, with the support of my production and social media assistant, Lisa Fisher. All information given on this podcast is a guide only and delivered to help you understand the intricacies that can happen in real estate. We recommend that you get professional advice that is designed for your own personal circumstances. We would like to thank Podbean for hosting this podcast, Premium Beat for their music, Francis Morello for his voiceover, and Zoom for the recording. If you have a real estate story that is inspiring or a great how-to tip, please contact Lisa on 5977-889 to find out how you can be a guest on Real Estate Right in 2022. If you would like to know more about our copywriting services, please email Lisa at orders at realcopyright.com.au. Thank you for listening to Real Estate Right. It's where buyers, sellers, renters and investors get their real estate right. Right.